Good morning. Well, it's Thanksgiving week. Um, we have a lot going on uh, this particular time of the year, and so we welcome you to this service. Uh, what a blessing it is to spend time with the Lord's people. Uh, so uh, let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you, Lord, for your help to us in our salvation. We're collectively and individually grateful uh, for who you are and what you represent. Lord, we thank you and rejoice. Let us do that perpetually and continually as we consider who you are and our standing before you and our eternity. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to be thankful people, full of gratitude to you, full of gratitude for the gospel of Christ in us. Lord, I pray that you would be with people who are hurting, that you would guide and care for them as well, and that we might be steadfast in our approach to love others. Lord, what a blessing it is to bring these things to you, even in our afflictions, you are near. Lord, I pray that you would give us hope for eternal life as we consider and are grateful for what you have accomplished um, in us. In your name I pray, amen. Well, there is in every time period a crisis of ingratitude. Victimization is the feeling of our day, for certain. But to live a life of thankfulness is a biblical imperative. It is the will of God. To preach the gospel without daily thanksgiving for our own salvation is illogical. Scripture is full of examples of thanks to God. As a matter of fact, it is a treatise on his accomplishments. Jesus exemplified thanksgiving and thankfulness. Therefore, as we consider the imperative, the opposite is also true. Ingratitude is a sin. All at times, we all at times must confess and deal with it. There is no way to grow in sanctification, no way to grow in holiness, without a thankful heart before the Lord. The unthankful heart offers no praise and has yielded to a self-focused perspective. The great enemy for authentic thankfulness is pride. In fact, ingratitude ought to be viewed as a spiritual crisis. It says in Hebrews 13, 15, through him then, who is him? It is Christ. Through him who offered himself as a sacrifice for our very souls, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Laying aside self, giving thanks to God, serving others, and continually praising God. The one who praises God gives thanks to his name. His name is everything he stands for. 
everything he has accomplished and everything that we hope to have. It is our very hope. Everything rides on his name. It is the name above all names. And it is the name that we praise. In Romans chapter 1, Paul practices a sacrifice of praise through prayers of request and thanksgiving. He says in verse 8, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all, for, for you all, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. For God whom I serve, for, for God whom I serve, my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his son is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you, always in my prayers making requests, if perhaps now at last by the will of God I may succeed in coming to you. What a reflection of the gospel. Paul's concern for the churches, his prayer for them, his thankfulness knowing that their salvation had nothing to do with him or with anybody else but Christ. The opposite of this can be seen in Romans chapter 1, verse 21. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. The tragedy of ingratitude towards God disables humanity from drawing close to him. Our heart goes out to those living in tragedy, but the real tragedy is a foolish heart that is darkened, separated from God, speculating about that which is of their own means and plans. Unfortunately, even many believers can disable the fruit-bearing of their lives through ingratitude, overlooking the practice of giving thanks to God. Do you have a right heart before the Lord? Do you continually offer a sacrifice of praise to him? Do your lips bear the fruit of thanks to his name? Psalm 92 says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. With the ten-stringed lute and with the harp, with the resounding music upon the lyre, for you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you have done. I will sing for joy at the works of your hands. In Psalm 69, we see David in great distress, yet he's magnifying God with thanksgiving. It says in verse 29, But I am afflicted and in pain. May your salvation, O God, set me securely on high. I will praise the name of God with song and magnify him with thanksgiving. So we magnify God in our thanksgiving. Probably the most popular psalm regarding thanksgiving is Psalm 100. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good, his loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. 
True worship exalts God. True worship is joyful praise. True worship cannot occur without thanksgiving and gratitude to him. Please turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. We're going to be starting with uh, chapter, or excuse me, verse 11. Luke 17, verse 11. It's humbling to think that our Lord walked this earth in communion with people. The humility of the death on the cross is certainly remarkable, but his life on this earth uh, was remarkable as well. It says, while he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. He entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw what had been, that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you and we look at this passage of Scripture and we look at your mighty hand of Holy Spirit guidance who has placed it before us today, that you would just use it to honor and glorify yourself, to amplify your message, and to return us uh, from points at times of unthankfulness to gratefulness. Lord, I pray that we would be seen as the one, the foreigner, who returned thanks to you. Lord, I pray that you bless this time together. I pray that it would enrich in us, that we might become more like you, that it might propel us to have lives of greater praise and thanksgiving. In your name I pray, amen. We see from this passage one of the realities of a fallen nature. I was speaking to someone just this morning about how life ages us, does it not? We are in a steady decline physically, and as you get older, you feel it. When sick and when so distressed, it's hard to see the bigger picture. These ten men have a very serious condition. Leprosy is a significant and debilitating disease. It is slow-growing, and progress it's a slow-growing progressive disease that ultimately disfigures and is very obvious in later stages. The bacteria causing the disease is contagious and obviously greatly feared. It can take years to notice symptoms, and many live lives near lifetimes in isolation and despair, separated from family and friends. No thanksgiving for these ten men. 
In Jesus' day, these, this disease was incurable. It marred the individual physically, emotionally, and although it was not immediate death, it was incurable. We see that in this account that the ten inflicted individuals kept their distance from Jesus. They no, no doubt heard of him, no doubt heard of his power to heal, and so they approached him from a distance. The results of the fall impacted all of Adam's sons, did it not? Leprosy is not exclusive to one people group. In this section, we see that leprosy has brought together a Samaritan along with nine Jews. This passage is a text consistent with others related to Jesus' healing ministry. These miracles that were performed provide proof of his divinity. These actions are completely unexplainable by any other measure. From blindness to healing lepers to raising the dead, this Jesus, whom we serve, is no doubt God in the flesh. For we too, all of us, were dead in our trespasses and sins, disfigured, as it were, and separated from the fellowship with God, hopelessly distant from God, incapable of approaching his throne, desperately and incurably wicked. Our best efforts amount to filthy rags in light of his glory, incapable of seeing his gracious big picture. Blind as we were, dead as we most certainly were, we were all lepers to his holy presence. But consider the grace of Jesus' earthly ministry. He had normal conversations with people. He communed with the leprous humanity. He taught. He walked with others. He heard the petitions for divine intervention. In this account, the ten men assembled a prayer meeting to address their collective plight. The passage is a prayer of supplication to Jesus. When they, say, when they saw Jesus, they raised their voices and asked him for mercy. The obvious purpose is that they were praying. The individuals seeing their need cry out for help. This is not a normal conversation like Jesus would have, like a request that you would have from a doctor or somebody else. This is a petition. This is God incarnate, the creator and sustainer of life. When you ask something from God, you are praying. This is a prayer of petition, a request for supplication. It is a plea for help. Listen to it carefully. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus has been identified as the person to answer prayer. The petition is made to the right source, is it not? The one who has mastered the work of healing. Note the word master. This is the name for Jesus used by the disciples almost exclusively in the book of Luke. The one who has set over, who has control, the one to whom can resolve the ultimate issue at hand. Note the power of the plea. Two names for our Lord. His name, his given name, Jesus, with the title master. How appropriate. The English sets this plea with an exclamation point, and no doubt it was, Jesus, Master, 
have mercy on us. So in this place, we have a petition. The verbal request replies, implies that a person present will respond. Jesus provided a response to the petition. Most of our prayers are answered with delays. Our Lord is faithful to hear our prayers of petition, and he answers those prayers for our good and his glory. You can bank on it. This is not a poor investment to put into prayer. It always yields a guaranteed result. Maybe not one we want, but it is guaranteed. If you are praying, you are um, if you are praying and are left with no apparent relief, you may be missing the lesson. You might not be seeing the bigger picture. For he has not left you alone. He has not abandoned your soul. He has not canceled your appointment for the marriage supper of the Lamb. He's not disassociated you from your inheritance. Your adoption is secure. The indwelling spirit remains. There remains a body of believers that he gives, has given to you to encourage you and to pray for you. His delay, albeit difficult, probably beyond at times what we believe we can bear, is good. It is good because it is ultimately for his glory and it is ultimately good for him. Do you believe that? Do you doubt his promises? We cannot claim faith in him and at the same time attempt to manipulate holy God to have our self-defined outcomes met. I'm going to repeat that. We cannot claim faith in him, the sovereign God of all time, and at the same time attempt to manipulate holy God to have our self-defined outcomes met. This is not humility. It is arrogance. In this passage, the answer to the leper's prayer was met with two responses. He said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. The verbal response to the request is a direction that requires them to take and to, to make a decision to take action. The priest in that time would declare one clean to restore them in the community that they worshipped in, that they that they communed in. It appears that Jesus uses this instruction as a point of instructive confusion. Sometimes it feels that way. For while they responded to go, Jesus to go, Jesus had healed them and they were most sufficiently clean already. A prayer to the right source, but a response that makes a point regarding his purpose in coming. I am uncertain about the full reason for his, this answer but it appears that it reveals a nugget of the mystery of his intention to not only be the Messiah for the Jews, but also to save foreigners as well, those separated from the promise. The answer was to show themselves to the priests, to come out of hiding, to be obedient to the master's call. They immediately obeyed. Now the priests had no power to heal. It was Jesus who was the Messiah, the master, the divine second person of the Trinity. He is the great high priest, the Lord of lords and the King of kings. The miracles of Jesus set him apart to proclaim his position and to bring him glory. This is not 
intended to be a hidden miracle, but a public proclamation. So we have a petition. We have a twofold answer. The answer to go, show yourself to the priests. And the answer was to be healed of a very disabling disease. The text said that upon instruction, they moved to obey. It says as they were going, they were healed. Wow, what an act of grace. These people were notably disfigured. Notably separated. And our Lord healed them. So from the petition, we have an answer. We have obedience. Now we move to fellowship with Christ. Apparently nine nine out of ten of them relished in his healing, but walked past the glory of his presence. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet giving thanks to him. Why is it so easy to miss this step? The answer, so obvious. The source, so apparent. Eyes open to see the person of Christ. Ears able to hear response. Yet the humanity within is so dull as to fail to love God in response to his great grace. Yes, there are things of this life that are difficult, and the leper's earthly earthly condition was beyond what they could bear. An unbelievable healing, and yet only one, the foreigner returns to give thanks. When you think about it, this giving thanks, what the foreigner did falling at the feet of Jesus, is the state of our eternal existence. We dead in our trespasses and sins, made alive together in Christ, from death to life, from the grave to the feet of Jesus, eternally giving thanks for such incredible grace, healed from the rot of disfiguring sin, falling on our face at his feet and giving thanks. Will we not eternally and perpetually and consistently and constantly give him thanks and praise his name eternally? Self-preoccupation is the cause of lack of thankfulness. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found to return to give glory to God except the foreigner? And he said to him, Stand up and go, your faith has made you well. Now it's interesting that they did obey. One might say that, well, I was told to go to the priest. But I would say that they missed the point. They could still obey and still be in fellowship with Christ. The implication is that there is a majority that will fail to give God glory for the blessings they have received. May we not be like the nine who focus so much on how we act at the expense of spending time with our Savior. This statement, this action of the Samaritan, 
is a jewel. Communing with Christ. Turning towards him. Giving glory to God, to, to him with loud voices. Praising his name. All that he stands for. Falling on our faces at the feet of Jesus in humble joy. And most certainly the fruit of our lips will most assuredly include continual thanksgiving. Look where you could be. What's the alternative? I love reading um, an English theologian, J.C. Ryle, who wrote um, extensively and served in ministry um, in the early and mid-1800s. This writing comes from his devotional book on the book of Luke, written, I believe, in 1856. He says, this lesson before us is humbling, heart-searching, and deeply instructive. The best of us are far too little, are far too like the nine lepers. We are more ready to pray or petition than praise more disposed to ask God for what we have not than to thank him for what we have. Murmurings and complainings and discontentedness abound on every side of us. Few indeed are to be found who are not continually hiding their mercies under a bushel and setting their wants and trials on a hill. These things ought not to be so. But all who know the church and the world must confess that they are true. The widespread thanklessness of Christians is the disgrace of our day, is the plain proof of our lack of humility. Let us pray daily for a thankful spirit. There's a prayer request right there. You can pray for all of us. It is the spirit of which God loves and delights to honor. It says in in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, this is the will of God, our thankfulness. David and Paul were eminently thankful men. It is the spirit which has marked the brightest saints in every age of the church. Thankfulness is the spirit which denotes the very atmosphere of heaven. Angels said, just men made perfect are always blessing God. It is the spirit which is the source of happiness on earth. If we would be careful for nothing, we must make our requests known to God, not only with prayer of supplication, but with thanksgiving. Above all, let us pray for a deeper sense of our own sinfulness, guilt and undeserving. There's a second prayer request. Let us pray for a deeper sense of our own sinfulness, guilt and undeserving. That will increase our thankfulness. This, after all, is the true secret of a thankful spirit. It is the man who daily feels his debt to grace and daily remembers that in reality he deserves nothing but hell. This is the man who will be daily blessing and praising God. Thankfulness is a flower that will never bloom, with, never bloom well excepting upon a root of deep humility. So this is the time of our Thanksgiving service that 
You all get to participate if you choose. So a time to give thanks. So if you would like to say a word of what you are thankful for and how God has blessed you, uh, now is your moment of time to do that. And so I uh, just want to open that up and to see if someone would like to, or multiple people would like to, um, express that gratitude. I'm so very grateful to the love and dedication that the leaders of our church and how they devote themselves to this body. And I'm so very grateful to this body. This is a safe haven, a refuge for all. And I'm so very grateful to all the privileges that God has extended, whether it be to dry a dish in the kitchen or to serve in the nursery and getting to see those little ones, their joy, their laughter, their smiles. That is such a privilege. It's a privilege to visit a friend in a living facility and to pray with her and all her needs. These are all great privileges and ones not to be taken lightly. I'm so thankful for God's word that he gives us to daily dwell in it and he calls to us to abide in him daily. And these things might seem like small things visiting young moms with children, maybe having lunches with them, and hoping to be an encouragement to them, and yet they turn around and they're an encouragement to us. It's a two-way street. And these might seem like small things, but the accumulative value of these great privileges that he's extended to us amount to a big life, a life of contentment, a life of peace, and a life giving glory to our almighty God. And I am so thankful for all of this. Hi, I'm Char Frankhauser. We're fairly new to this assembly, but I want to tell you about my past, my present, and my future. If you got 20 minutes or so. <laughs> I was just uh, rewriting my <clears throat> personal testimony. I thank God for salvation. I thank God for two people who placed a seed in my life um, when I was quite young and um, just a seed of, the first one was um, 
a little song that, um, a children's song. And the second seed was a woman who just simply took me to a music concert where I heard the gospel. And preparing me for an invite to a church where a pastor told me that Jesus went to um, the that Jesus um, rode a path on the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and people were just hallelujahs. And the week later, they were screaming for his death. But the pastor did one great thing. He said, everyone has to make a choice. What is your choice? Will you follow Jesus? And as a 10-year-old, I said, I will. I will follow Jesus. Then as a as we moved to a different town and a different pastor who was preaching the word of God line by line, truth by truth, I started to grow in my faith and I made a commitment to live for this loving God forever. So that was my past. My present is you because we're making new friends here. And when you get to be my age, you're losing many friends. And I made a list recently of all those who have been close to us, who we have, are going to heaven, we hope. We pray. And so now, we're gathering new friends, so thank you for that. And then my future. I long to see Jesus face to face. And I also long to be with the saints in glory. 10,000 years and more, I think the song said. Thank you for everything you mean to Ron and I. I'm so thankful that I know the most important thing in the whole wide world. Do all of you know that? The very most important thing in the whole wide world is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful I have that. I'm so thankful I was adopted twice. I was adopted as a little two-year-old girl to a wonderful family because my young mother, her parents told her, whatever you do, don't bring that baby home. So they sent her to Duluth and I was adopted when I was two into a wonderful family. And then when I was 14, I was adopted into the family of God. And I'm so thankful. 
And I'm so thankful for each and every one of you here. I don't know all of you, but I know a lot of your faces, and I know a lot of you personally. And I love you. And I should probably sit down because I have a tendency to go on and on sometime. So, but praise God for his love for us and praise God for us loving each other. And I thank the Lord every day for this church. I just have a huge prayer list that I pray over and I'll sit down now. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm just grateful for the opportunity just to say thanks, just for knowing that the Lord Jesus has revealed his full revelation to us and that we can look into his word and know his full truth, that we can know for sure because of his finished work that we have salvation in no other name and that we can look to the cross and know for sure our sins are forgiven because he has paid it all. I'm so grateful to know that in the Lord's plan, he gave us brothers and sisters to gather with, to genuinely adore his name, to love each other for his sake, through his sake. And just that we can gather freely in the time, in the day and age that we exist in, and that we can still freely come together to glorify the only name worth glorifying, the Lord Jesus Christ. And for this opportunity that the Heavenly Father has given us so much, the counseling he's given us through the Holy Spirit and the unity that this church so lovingly shows each other. And just the sacrifice that each day you guys all show with a smile on your face to love one another. And I want you all to understand how grateful I am that it is in my prayers every day that I'm so grateful for the godly examples our older believers you guys mean so much to all of us. Maybe we don't say it enough, but your example walking through life each day, showing us how to smile through the hardships and showing us examples of Christ's love is just something I can't express in words, but I wanted to try to tell you how much we love you and are grateful for your being here and for sharing your love with us. It means so much. So thank you for being my family. Thank you for all the love you guys show. and for the love of God. Mostly I want to say one last thing. I'm, I'm grateful that God hid the knowledge and understanding of salvation from the wise and the prudent in this world, but that we can look to something so simple, the most profound statement I know. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And that's enough. Thank you, God, for being God. I would stand up, but I'm holding a sleeping baby, and that would probably wake her up. So this is Sarah Newkirk, for those who can't see me. Um, I am profoundly thankful, um, thinking back over the past two years of being a parent, Annie turns two in two weeks, and I can't even believe it, um, um, for the parents who have spoken godly wisdom into mine and Sam's um, parenting journey. Um, for the me specifically, the women who have raised their babies and they're gone from their house, um, have spoken wisdom of 
um, their journey in that, to the women who have babies slightly older than mine, teenagers, and for the women who are having babies at this, in the same season as me. I have received so much love, wisdom, understanding, and encouragement. Um, and I'm grateful that both Annie and Juliet had little baby booms around them, and they will have little friends <laughs> to grow up in church with them. Um, because I remember having friends growing up in church and in Sunday school class, and that was so um, special. And I'm looking forward to um, raising our children um, at a church that values God's word and that um, values other believers. Um, so thank you to all who have spoken into our lives these past few years. And yeah. So many reasons to be thankful to the Lord, and I think. Uh, two things, as I'm listening to all of you, I, I was thinking, oh, man, there's so much, but I, I need to share these. Um, two things. One is God's uh, faithfulness in conducting our story. We don't realize his providence behind everything that happens, the little things that we think, oh, just, that just happened. Um, I think a lot of you ask me, Many times, what a, a what a guy from Brazil, a beach boy, is doing in the coldest <laughs> state of, of of the U.S. And I, I just look back and see the Lord's hand in you know bringing Lindsay into my life, and um, that I, I couldn't put together. Really, I couldn't uh, bring myself here to to Grace Community Fellowship, and yet the Lord did bring us here, give us a, a family in the faith that has been an encouragement. So the other thing I'm thankful for is for answered prayers. Um, this uh, past two years, uh, you know, a major challenge has been um, our long wait for immigration to process uh, our request. Um, since I graduated from school, uh, my ability to work uh, ceased, and for almost a year I couldn't have a job, not because... I didn't have any offers, I did. <laughs> the problem was I didn't have a work permit from the US government. So we submitted that request about almost two years ago and we didn't have it until uh, May of this year. So a lot of you have been praying for that and putting before the Lord and finally in May they, they did answer part of that request. I'm still, still waiting for my green card, but. They give a work permit, and uh, what a privilege it has been to, to be working, not only doing, um, not be, having a job, but doing a job that I love, um, that is uh, encouraging people, helping people, and teaching them God's word. And so I'm very thankful for those answered prayers that the Lord does answer, uh, sometimes not at the time that we want, the way we want, and yet... Um, it brings so much more joy to realize that his plan is better and his timing timing is perfect. So, I'm just thankful for this church family, as others have already said, but just to see the faithfulness of people showing up each week. What a blessing that is. And just uh, salvation. Sorry, I'm crying. No, it's all right. My family always bets on whether I'm going to cry or not, I think. <laughs> <laughs> They've known me too well. I'm one of those emotional dads. Yeah. But uh, just salvation. I'm thankful someone shared the gospel with me years ago. Um, and just, uh, I've always been 
enamored by creation. And you know, just becoming a believer and then seeing creation as a believer is so much different than recognizing just nature as an unbeliever. And just even in the human body, I mean, just thinking of the human body, how it says, you know, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, amazes me. What the body can do, multiple things, as we all know, over multiple times, and just, it, it never ceases to amaze me. But yet I'm reminded, Deuteronomy chapter 8, where the Lord reminds Israel not to forget him. They said, you know, remember how I led you through the desert. Remember how your shoes didn't wear out and you had man and you had all these things. And then he says, but, but when you've built fine houses and your flocks and herds increase and, and you have food and he said, you have all these things, you, you tend to get prideful and you think, look what my hands have done. And I think that doesn't tell us that we're going to be wealthy, healthy and all those things. But at the same time, there's a, there's a principle there. The principle says, do not forget the Lord. So no matter what God brings in your life, don't forget. Don't forget prideful as, or get prideful as we've been studying in men's group about humility. Don't get prideful and think, well, look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. No, look what God has accomplished in your life. Look what God has done for you. You know, if there's anything worth giving thanks for, you give that to God. That's it. Because... I'm nothing. There's a song out there that says nobody. I'm just a nobody. That's all I am. But I'm a redeemed somebody that God's called. I don't deserve it, but here I am. You get what you get. You get because God's changed me. I'm a new creation. That's worth being thankful for. Uh, piggybacking on on everybody really um, but gonna go right to JD when he says Jesus knows me this I love um, had a wonderful time this summer of fellowship with a handful of gals and uh, one of the precious saints took that a step better Jesus knows me this I love uh, um, and that only thrills and enraptures your soul because he's given you the gift of faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. There's some who would even claim uh, the truth that Jesus was a man who walked the earth, but they haven't been given the gift of faith. And without the gift of faith, we would never have the joy of our salvation and the ability, like uh, Dylan shared so eloquently about the 10 lepers, and Jesus, at the end of that portion, says, your faith has made you well. So, Lord, increase my faith. And this is a faithful saying. I love the five faithful sayings. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. That faith, what a beautiful and treasured gift. Lots to be thankful for. Thank you. I'm thankful for, I know I sound really deep right now. It's, it's normal. I'm thankful for my mom because 
Um, she helps me out a lot, and we have a special relationship. I am eternally thankful for our God that brings things together. There's no coincidence. Uh, this morning, the first words out of Dylan's introduction was Psalm 100. That happened to be what I was dwelling on on Thanksgiving morning, and especially Psalm uh, verse 4. Uh, enter into his courts with thanksgiving. In, in gates with thanksgiving, I guess it is, in his courts with praise. And I think as I've gotten older, I've, it's one of the things that means a lot to me is that when I begin to pray, I thank God, first of all, for who he is. Not necessarily for the things that he does for me, but we just thank him for being almighty, for being holy, for being righteousness. We don't see that in this world today, do we? But when we go to prayer, we see that, and that's a praise. I just want to say... Man, am I thankful for forgiveness. <laughs> Where would we all be today if we didn't have that? Jesus, he was on the cross dying the most painful death in the world. And what did he do? He forgave the very men who were mocking him. He said, I will be with you in paradise today. I'm so thankful for this body of believers, for the friends I have, for the mistakes I've made that they have forgiven me so much for. I don't think we, we thank God for the forgiveness that he has shown us. Man, what a lifeless, heartless world this would be if we didn't have God's forgiveness and the forgiveness of each other. So I am just very, very thankful for that today. Still, I'm crying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and this last year has been just amazing. Um, but there's so many things that, if you've seen my grandkids, <laughs> um, um, but me, mainly, like others have said, salvation is the greatest gift that we really need, not just on Thanksgiving, to remember every single day and be so grateful for that. Okay, I'm going to try and get through this without busting up because you guys are a tough act to follow, but um, I will be the first to admit that I took John for granted. And um, when we came to this church in 2006, uh, we were just barely saved. I'm glad someone gave Dan the gospel and that trickled down to me. And we were here right at the right timing to get God's word 
preached by you so faithfully. Hmm. Thank you, Janine, for sharing your husband with us all these years. 20 years? How many years were we here? 20 years? So, uh, again, I took you for granted, and I'm sorry. But I thank the Lord for putting us here and putting you here to shepherd us. Thank you. Give you a moment to think, but Paul said in Romans 1, verse 8, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. Now look what God has done uh, by his building faith, his work. Easy to take for granted. I think what's exciting to me is <clears throat> a Thanksgiving service uh, and hearing each one of you guys. Uh, it's obvious that uh, it is the Holy Spirit that uses earthen vessels. Mm -hmm. And so, appreciate that, Claudia, but uh, it's obvious that uh, God has done his work. And I am very thankful for that. Thank you, John. You know, I'm thankful for God's grace. Apart from God's grace, we have absolutely nothing. God's grace is the fountain in which every gift and blessing comes from. God's grace gave us Jesus Christ. God's grace has redeemed us. God's grace is what continues to refine us each and every day, continue to sculpt and mold us each and every day. And I'm thankful that God continues to give me his grace because there's a whole lot of refining that needs to happen here. And I need God's grace each and every day. And it's a renewing of grace each and every day. And it's a blessing that he gives us faithfully. And it's a blessing that he gives us without payment from us. It's a gift that we, we receive. The payment was done on the cross. But we get his grace. We are the recipients of that grace. And until God calls us home, we will continue to receive his grace. And I'm very thankful for that. I'm so grateful that I can get in my car and drive to church without being harassed or followed to prevent me from gathering in a public place to worship. And we, how wonderful that we live in a land that is still has that freedom and that we can gather in people's homes for fellowship and worship without fear. Like the way Paul starts his letters, grace and peace. I appreciate your comments, Jake, just about the grace of God because it brings us peace with God. And without it, um, we would have no peace. And so, what a great blessing that is.
We have a. Did somebody have. I'm going one more time, Dylan. All sorry. right, all right, Sarah. <laughs> it's Go Sarah twice. again. Um, I just want to. Um, we've talked a lot about this body of believers, but something that I has been a blessing to me was how this body of believers came together and served this summer in an awesome VBS when we had two months to plan it. <laughs> Three months, I guess, technically. But um, it was incredible <coughs> to see people um, sacrificing their time, their um, giving of their talents, um, giving their children to me <laughs> to use. Um, it was a wonderful, wonderful blessing to watch this body come together um, and share the gospel with 80 young people. Um, some of whom had never heard the gospel, some of whom had. Um, and I just want to thank the Lord for each and every one of you who served, who prayed, who thought of us, who helped before, who helped after, um, for the leadership who um, guided it, um, for, um, yeah, for all of it. It was um, the highlight of my summer, um, and I'm just, I'm just really, really grateful. Um, so thank you. Thank you all. Hello, I'm Dan. Uh, I just want to thank the Lord. I, I had kind of an angry salvation 20-some-odd years ago uh, when I was working with a guy, and he said, are you a Christian? And I said, well, yeah, I got baptized as a baby, and I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and it's all good. And he says, uh, is, are you born again? And I said, oh, no. No, I'm not one of those kind of Christians. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got very angry with him, and... and uh, I'm just thankful that the Lord opened my eyes to his truth and made me realize my sin and to repent of it and turn and put my faith in him. I thought I was pretty good. I thought that I'd make it to heaven on my own by my good works and realize that that isn't the way you get there. And uh, very thankful for this body of believers, thankful for our elders our deacons that work hard and, and serve him, all of the people here that serve. Thankful for my family that they, there was a time when Claudia and I may not have been together. She didn't like the new Dan, and uh, well, the, the Lord got a hold of her too. So I just want to be thankful and contrite and look forward to sharing my faith with people out there in the world and watching their faces turn uh, when you preach God's word to them. And the, again, I thank you all. Oh, I am thankful for today for God giving me such a nice, loving family that corrects me when I do wrong things. <laughs> God knows I slip up a lot, but he's pleased to be in a very nice family that helps me when I do the wrong thing. So I'm thankful for salvation, which so many have said, but I'm also thankful that God is in the work of sanctifying, um, not just saving me, but um, working to um, make me more like Christ and um, and towards holiness, and um, 
I'm thankful that he helps me with that every day and brings light um, through his word um, and all the dark places that are still in my heart. So. Well, so one of the reasons that we sing, I'm just going to hit on one. Um, I just come to more fully appreciate the perfect sinless life that Christ lived on our behalf. I, I, um, I was kind of meditating on that um, over this past few months and just the temptations that he went through in the wilderness. And um, even though he was fully God, he was fully human. And then just the week of his crucifixion, it's unbelievable what he faced. I think on, to a degree that is beyond what we face because he was God, you know. And so without that, my faith would not be possible. And so I am so thankful that he resisted the temptation that he did. And so as a one of those 10 lepers, I want to be the leper that comes back and thanks him. But Lord, I, I pray, Lord, help my unbelief, and I pray today, help my ungratefulness, Lord. So I want to be one of those 10. Well, besides this exercise in terror, um, <laughs> I wanted to just say that I'm grateful for God in heaven who drew me to his side, mm -hmm. took a heart of stone and gave me a heart of flesh and forgave me. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for a diligent wife who found this church and I'm grateful for all the men in this church who are so freely talking, praying with me and helping me out, me out in the walk, thanks. Father, we come to you with thankful hearts. We ask that you would again not, not let us forget you. Your, your, your steadfast mercy, your loving kindness, it endures forever. Thank you for giving us life. Thank you for giving us the salvation that we have through Christ. Thank you for sustaining us, giving us strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow. Thank you for all your tender love and, and mercy and, and, and grace and patience. Long-suffering, Father. I pray that you would help us to, to give you glory in all things, to pray to you as, as much as possible, to commune with you through prayer, through reading your holy word, just always giving you praise and worship, worshiping you through your word, worshiping you through song, worshiping you through prayer, worshiping you through even giving. Oh, Father, I pray that you would help us to give our time, the time you've given us. It's not really our time, it's your time. And we are wanting to be wise and good stewards of what you've given us, Father. I pray that you would uh, bless the rest of the service. Thank you for bringing us all here safely. I pray that you get us all back to the homes you've given us um, 
and give us your spiritual and, and physical protection as you have. I thank you for um, just having a time that we, could, we can even get together and, and celebrate and to worship you and to give thanks. Pray that you bless the rest of the service too and the songs that we sing, that we, our hearts would be in it. We would worship you with, uh, from, from our hearts, Father. Thank you. Amen.